You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So uh, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I'm just going to tell you. Um, so I, uh, I actually got to go to a, a movie yesterday with my daughter. How many of you have seen the movie Wonder? Seen that one? I'm just going to tell you. You guys, you know that I, I'm, I'm very in touch with my emotions. I have the ability to cry and all those kind of things. I'm just going to tell you. I was trying to think of a scene in that movie that I didn't cry. Uh, and I'm not really into those kind of movies, you know. But it was so, um, it was so full of uh, real heartfelt, genuine emotion of all the different things that, uh, that this family with this uh, young boy with um, special condition has gone through. And it was, it was just amazing. So for whatever that's worth, you should go and see that movie. Um, but uh, for me, it made me. It did make me. I guess it does kind of tie a little bit. It did make re- me remember lots of different things that I'd experienced uh, younger, and then some things that we've experienced even in our own family. There were so many different things in that. But um, anyway, so this morning, I want to talk to you about something that the Lord placed on my heart uh, specifically for us, and this is for our congregation. So you know that periodically we, we follow sermon series th- throughout Grace and we all the campuses are preaching it. But periodically we have a open, what we call them open Sundays on our schedule and we get to preach what's on our heart for, this, for our campuses. And so uh, this morning is one of those. So um, for me, oftentimes whenever the Lord puts something on my heart, it comes in something that I've either read or something that I've seen or something that I've heard. And there's like there ends up being like a phrase or a word or something that just grabs my attention and I can't get away from it for days. And it's like everywhere I go, there's something about that that keeps coming back to me. And somewhere along the way in that, um, I realize that the Lord is trying to talk to me. First, I don't get it. But after two or three days and like everywhere I go, there's something, I, I realize that the Lord is trying to talk to me about something. And, and so for me, those have always been really powerful moments. Well, um, I recently had one of those things happen to me. So I was uh, reading uh, my daughter's blog. So my daughter is an amazing writer. Uh, she's going to be a communication journalism and Spanish double major. She's about to graduate. But she has this blog, and when she writes, there's something about the way that she writes that just really messes with my thinking. It, uh, it stirs something inside of me uh, all the time. But then every once in a while, there's some that just capture me and she wrote something recently uh, in a blog about the word nostalgia, and it captured me. She wrote this. She wrote, um, nostalgia is a funny thing. It can grab us by the shoulders and pull us back into moments that we never thought we would remember. Moments that have been secretly tucked away into our memory, but now they're almost tangible, as if 10 years or more is nothing at all. And when I read that, there was something in that that grabbed me. And so everywhere I go, went for the next couple of days, is like there was something in this thing about nostalgia or remembrance and, and that kept uh, stirring in me. And so when I finally kind of had that aha moment that the Lord is trying to stir something in me about this, I went to look it up. I usually start in a really spiritual place, Wikipedia. And... Uh, and I went to find out what, I mean, I know what nostalgia is more or less, but I wanted to see like, like what does it say? Those words mean have power too. And so it said that it's a sentimental longing or an affection for the past, typically a period or a place with happy and personal associations. 
I also went to look at uh, the Webster Dictionary, and it said this. It's a state of being homesick for the past because the word, uh, and it said there's two Greek words. There's the word nostos, which means homecoming, and the word, word aljos, which means ache. And so it's a homecoming ache. There's, a, there's an aching. There's a longing for the past. And, um, and so in that, I went back and kind of noticed something else that she wrote. And she said this, she said, nostalgia must be the closest thing that we have to time travel. How weird it is that a smell or a sound or something lets us briefly live in two worlds at once. I believe this morning that nostalgia has the ability to affect us in lots of ways, many different ways. Um, I remember years ago um, when my dad had passed, it had been about six months. I thought I had fully dealt with my grief and my loss and all those things. And I was in a department store in the mall. Uh, and I smelled a scent that reminded me of my dad. And I'm just going to tell you, I lost it. I'm not talking like a, oh, he cried a little bit kind of thing. I was a long ways away from my car. It was on the opposite end of the mall. And I knew I couldn't get out of there fast enough. So I did the only smart thing I thought I could do is I found a dressing room. And I went in the dressing room and I closed myself in there and I cried like a baby for the next 15 minutes as memories washed over me. Good ones. But just the flood of the emotion just, just took me back there. And it wasn't one of those, like, I mean, you guys have seen, everybody in this room pretty much who knows me see me cry at one time or another. It wasn't even one of those, like, oh, isn't that sad? He looked, it was one of those ugly cries, like I was shaking and shoveling and everything was running and it was just an ugly cry. But the thing was, it wasn't even so much bad. It, like all, they were all good memories. But there was just this emotion, but it was all started because I saw something, or I, I, actually in that place I smelled something, and it flooded me with these memories that I had. On another time, I, uh, I went back to Texas, and I have, for those of you who don't know, I have four sisters, one who lives here in Mooresville, but I have three older sisters, and at the time they all lived in Texas. Uh, now they've, uh, one of them's moved uh, out of state from there. But one, the one who lives closest to Houston, which was my hometown, she, uh, she took all of us to this little barbecue place. It's a little hole-in-the-wall place. If you know me, you know I love hole-in-the-wall joints to eat at. I want local fare. I want that. That's what I love. She took me to this local little hole-in-the-wall place. The building was completely unimpressive from the outside. Um, and it wasn't that impressive on the inside, but it was so insanely delicious that it was attached to an airstrip. And people would fly their airplanes in just to have lunch or dinner at this place and then fly home. It was that good. And so I, am, uh, I did what I would do. I'm home. It's Texas. I ordered a combination plate, brisket and hot link sausage with a little side of pinto beans and a few pickles on the edge, right? And as my dad would say, a big red soda water. That's a big red drink in a bottle. 
And I'm sitting there with my family. We're all eating. And my older sister looks down the table at me, and I'm sitting there with my eyes closed. And she said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I didn't open my eyes. I just kept eating with my eyes closed. And she goes, well, why are your eyes closed? And I said, shh, you're going to interrupt the moment. And she's like, what's the moment? And I said, um, I said, look, I said, with my eyes closed right now, I'm 10 years old again. And I'm having lunch with Dad. And I just kept eating with my eyes closed. And when I opened up my eyes, I looked down and a couple of my sisters had tears. But a, a few other people at the table had closed their eyes and were started to eat again, right? Because the, the flavor of the food in that moment was taking me back to a place. It was a place that I wished I could be. It was a place that I longed to live again in that moment. The challenge is, is that you, we really can't, right? In our, in our natural life, we can't really relive in those moments. But I couldn't stop thinking after I read Celia's blog about nostalgia, about this whole thing. And, that, and I knew God was trying to communicate something to me. And then I finally realized what he was trying to do. I believe that the Lord was calling me, and I think he's calling all of us, to live in a place of nostalgia. And I know that sounds really silly at first glance. Because I don't think that the Lord is, is saying, go back and relive your glory days. I'm not saying we should go back and live as if we were in high school again, or if we were in college again, or go back and live in that place. Not at all. We can't do that in our natural lives. Like, I know when I go back home and I'm in my, my hometown where I graduated high school, I know what I did athletically at those days, but at 52, I can't do that anymore. Like, I can't relive that. I can't even fit into my letterman's jacket anymore. Like, it doesn't work, right? We can't relive that. But what I'm talking about is a, is a spiritual nostalgia. I'm not even talking about, and I want to make sure you know this, I'm not saying we go back and relive our past Especially for me, I even mentioned it in the midst of communion. I know who I was before Christ. I don't, that's not nostalgic to me at all. But what is nostalgic to me, what I do long for at times, is how I was when I first came to know Christ. How real he was in every sense of my life. How that people could say things to me and like there were just like realizations of God and who he was now to me like just went off in my brain in ways that I could not have previously understood. That's the place that I want to get back to because if I'm honest and if you're honest, oftentimes we find ourselves over time there's a tendency for us to lose a little bit of the luster of what that first love was, that first and early salvation. Is it just me or can anybody relate in here? But unlike our natural lives, our spiritual lives, we can recapture that time. We can relive that time. And what's even crazier is I think we can build upon it. 
We can rebuild and reestablish and renew our spiritual man in ways that I couldn't do it just in the natural. I can't regain something about myself from 20 years ago in the natural. I can't become that person. I mean, it would be awesome. I remember when I was in my 20s, I just wanted to be 30. I just felt like when I get to be 30, I'll be legitimate. I'll be a real adult. And now that I'm almost 52, I just wish I was 30 again. Right? But I can't go back there in the natural for that at all. But here's the thing is, I can in the spirit. That part of my spirit, man, I can regain that part of my life. But first, first we have to remember. It's the nostalgic part. It's the reminder. It's the remembering. Noah knew this. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 16, it says this, that whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, Noah's saying this, I will see it and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. See, for Noah, his nostalgia was triggered not by a scent or by a smell, but it was triggered by the rainbow. When he saw the rainbow, he could remember the rain. He could remember all the years of what he was building on this stupid ark that will never float, yet it did. He could remember the, the floods. He could remember being crammed in there with all of those animals and somehow they all got along for that period of time. He could remember how the, he got in the boat, but it was God who closed the door. He could remember the bad stuff. He could remember the, the yells and the screams of the people on the outside, but he could also remember the faithfulness of God to him and his family on the inside. He could remember that when they landed Right on Mount Ararat, he could remember that when they walked back out on ground, that he was his first thing was God. God, I just want to give you a sacrifice. Right? He could remember that. For him, it was triggered in the rainbow. His reminder, his remembrance, his nostalgia for what God had done, and all of that was triggered. How many times did Moses talk to the Israelites and tell them, Remember God's deliverance? From the Egyptians. Remember his defeating of the armies crossing the Red Seas. Remember the giving, how he fed us and how he's watered us here in this desert place. Just in Deuteronomy alone, in Deuteronomy 4, he says, Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb and assembled to hear his words. In Deuteronomy 5, 15, he says, Remember you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. In Deuteronomy 8, he says, But remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to our ancestors. David knew this. David knew the power of nostalgia. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David said to Saul, he said, Listen, I've been keeping my, my dad's sheep for a while. And I struck down this bear and this lion. In fact, he says this in 17, verse 36. He says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David recounted the power of who God was and what he had done in his life in a prior time, right? A nostalgic time as what? As preparation for taking out this giant. He, he knew the benefits of remembrance. And then it goes on. If you look in First Chronicles chapter 16, 
There's a place where David says, Remember the wonders that the Lord has done. And remember all His miracles. See, there was this power. There's this power in remembrance, in reminders, in nostalgia of what God has done. Where we were, but where we are now because of God. And that brings me to our text today. So our text this morning is Psalms 103. If you'd like to turn there, I'm sure we'll have it on the screens. Psalms 103, this is a psalm of David, again him remembering. And he says this in verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This morning, for us to live out the power of what nostalgia and remembrance can do to us, we have to recount. I think like David, we have to recount his benefits. And so I want to talk through some of the benefits. And I love this text, and so I think this is a great place for us to begin. In verse 1, he says he forgave all... I'm sorry, in verse 2, I think. Um, to verse 3. It says that he forgave all your sins. Now, at my age, I'm just going to say that the Lord has forgiven a lot. Can we just say that? The Lord has forgiven a lot. Can anybody else in here relate? The Lord has forgiven my being dishonest. The Lord has forgiven so many things. The Lord has forgiven me for when I took things that didn't belong to me. The Lord has forgiven my impure thoughts and my rebellious attitudes. The Lord has given my, forgiven my irrational behaviors. Yes, I have them. The Lord has forgiven when I had dishonoring actions towards others. The Lord has forgiven my broken word and my broken promises and my broken commitments. He's forgiven my selfish actions and my hidden sins. The Lord has forgiven all, all my sins. And I remember that. And I'm thankful for that. But this morning, can I just remind you, the Lord has forgiven all of yours too. Regardless of what people want to say, regardless of what the enemy wants you to remind you of, the Lord wants you to be reminded that He has forgiven all of your sins. The second thing is that He heals all your diseases and your injuries too. Listen, I shouldn't be here today. I should have been dead twice, long before now. The Lord healed my cracked skull. He healed my brain injury. He has healed uh, my brother-in-law's 
leg. For those of you who don't, may not, I've told this before, I can't remember when, but I know my brother-in-law got his, his leg literally run over by a train, yet he still walks on it today. It's his own bone, it's his own everything. He is not, it's not severed, it is his, and he walks on it. The Lord has done amazing miracles. The Lord has healed our kids when they had broken bones. But I would say that today my God is in the process of healing my, my niece. My niece has Crohn's. And I'm going to tell you, God is in a process of healing. We see her getting better. We see her getting stronger. God is in a process. God heals all of our diseases and our injuries and our brokenness. And if we forget that, we are missing out on something the God that we serve wants us to be reminded that he heals our diseases. He heals our flu. And Lord, I know we need that right now. He heals our colds and he heals our headaches and our bronchitis and our pneumonia. God heals all of that. He is still in the healing business. David knew this in his day and Jesus proved it in his. God heals all our diseases. Matthew 4 says, I'm sorry, Matthew says it four times. When he says, God healed all who came to him. He heals all. So we have to remember that he heals all of our diseases. The third point this morning that we find in our text is that he redeems our life from the pit. He redeemed my life from the path that I was on. I was bound for the pit. And the pit's not even intended for mankind. It wasn't really intended. But I'm going to tell you what, I was on track to get there. And probably you were too before Christ found you, before you found him. But in the reminder, we need to be reminded of where we were headed. He not only turned me around, but God has given me favor that I don't deserve. He's given me favor in a career. He's given me favor within the, uh, the church. He's given me a favor within our denomination. My God has given me favor within our community and with governments and crazy enough within school systems. I, I know multiple superintendents of multiple school districts. It's ridiculous. Why? I don't know, but God's allowed me to have favor and influence in ways, but only because he's redeemed my life from the pit. And the crazy thing is, I think, and he did that for me? Me? But God redeems our life from the pit. He redeemed your life from the pit. The fourth point this morning is that he crowned you with love and compassion. This phrase means that he completely encompasses, surrounds you by bestowing upon you as if royalty. With goodness and faithfulness and kindness, he envelops you with a love. A love that you weren't otherwise given. It says that he envelops us with a tenderness. There's a word in here that means the tenderness that would be given to an expectant mother. The Lord is so tender towards right he has crowned us with love and compassion you may have been treated harshly but the Lord crowns you with tenderness you may not have had a good home but the Lord envelops you with a love a love that maybe you weren't previously given you may have been abandoned but the Lord says you're an heir now you're no longer abandoned. You're a royal heir. You may have been shamed, but the Lord says, I promote you to high places. I make you royalty. The Lord has crowned us with love and compassion. The fifth point is that he satisfies your hearts. 
I'm sorry, your desires with good things. Now I'm going to tell you this is true for me. God changed my desires. God changes our desires when we come to know him. I don't desire the same things anymore. I would say that many of you, you may struggle in some areas, but I would bet that the Lord has changed a lot of your desires, the things that you wish for, the things that you long for, the things that you choose to do or would choose to be. The Lord changes those. So often in the church, I think at times we want, we give the impression as if to people who are far from Christ, well, if you just go and get your life cleaned up and come on into church, like God will love you. But the reality is that's not the way it works in his word. God shows in his word. He says, like, come to me, right? God wants us just as we are. Give your heart to Christ first. And when he does that, he'll change your desires. And the cleanup will be a secondary or third act that comes later because God's changed what I want. I don't have to worry about what I'm trying to clean up. I don't have to become perfect and upright in my own because God changes my desires. And once my desires are changed, then the whole action piece begins to be different. Does that make sense? God changes our desires and he fills them. He satisfies them with good things. You know, the crazy thing was that there was a time... When I wanted fame and wealth and adventure. Now I'm going to tell you, I still like the adventure part. But what I want in so many areas of my life, I found a totally different desire. I desire to be content. Right? I used to like always have to have steak. And I kind of like peanut butter and jelly these days. It's different. God changes what we desire and what we want, what we long for. I don't have to have the best of everything all the time. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, he's changed some desires in me. That no, those things aren't as important. There's some things that I used to want to be and do, and it's like, he just changed that. And here's the crazy thing. When relationships and family and just having a few good friends became more important to me than fame or wealth, it's amazing to me how the Lord's, it's not like he's made me rich and famous too, but it's amazing to me like some of those things I had wished for and I just kind of like said, no, I'm not worried about that anymore. It's amazing how some of those things like the Lord begins to allow us to see he's, he's working in that too, right? So we think we want fame and he's like, no, I got something better. It's called influence. That's different, right? It's kind of, but it's not, right? The Lord is amazing as how he works for that because what he does is he, he satisfies our desires good things. And the sixth one and the last one this morning is this. is The word says that he renews your youth. Now I'm going to tell you, at my age, I know what I want that to mean, but it doesn't mean that. The Lord is not bringing to us um, a fountain of youth. We're still going to have to work all of that out on our own. Diet and exercise and all those other things we hate to do. But honestly, it, 
I think what it means is actually better. He renews my youth. It means that he makes new. He restores. He repairs. And he resets my life. to the way it was intended to be. Wow. I'm so reminded at times of the messes that I have made with my life prior to Christ. And quite honestly, there's a few messes that I continue to make. And the idea that the Lord would restore and renew and reset my life ongoing blows me away. He gives us a new start, another opportunity, the ability to fix those messes. Sometimes he's been gracious at fixing those. Other times he's been incredibly faithful to walk with me as I fix those messes. God allows us to restart and to reset. I've been a part of some messes that I didn't create. But I had to endure. And I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful that the Lord is even faithful to reset some of those. I've had people who wronged me and wounded me. And as I allow the Lord to work, right, as I recount His ongoing faithfulness, I can look back and see where he pushed the reset button on that and restored a relationship that at one time I didn't even want to be restored. It's like I just wanted away. I was so wounded and hurt. But God has the ability to restore that and to reset it. One last thing this morning as it relates to this biblical example of nostalgia. In 2 Timothy The Apostle Paul says to this young disciple, he says this, um, he goes on to talk about spiritual nostalgia with Timothy. I won't read the verse. But in it, he reminds him of the depth of their relationship and how God had connected them. And he reminds Timothy of his salvation. And he reminds him of what Timothy's discipleship was built upon. And he reminds him of this lineage and heritage of spiritual depth that comes from not just the generation before, but for two generations. And then he reminds him of the day when he received the Holy Spirit because the Apostle Paul laid hands on him and prayed for him. Why does Paul do that? Because I think that Paul knew what this Paul is just discovering. Is that there is a power in what we're terming today spiritual nostalgia, but what it really is, it's in remembrance of him and who he is and what he's done in our lives. And the power with which we have the ability to walk, but we don't because we forget. But there are times when if we'll allow the Spirit to stir in us, to remind us of who He is, that He's the one who brings the rain. 
He's the one who restores our lives. He's the one who takes the dry places and can make them amazingly fertile and rich again. See, when that time of our life when we first came to know Christ, it's not just in the past. In our remembrance and recognition of who Christ is, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, it has the ability to not just be the past, it has the ability to be the present. The present for which God continues to build upon. But we have to remember. The last thing I put in our notes this morning is this, is that when we experience those rich reminders of God's past working in our lives, it has the power to jumpstart our present and impact our future. This morning, I'm going to ask, would you all just bow your heads? I want to give us just a moment, a pause, to allow the Lord to remind you of something that He's been longing to remind you of. some of you this morning, I think that the Lord is wanting to remind you of something that you experienced in the past where you knew that he had it all under control because he wants to build upon that. He wants to remind you that he still has it all under control. For others in this place, like the Lord is wanting to remind you of the depth of your walk and the richness of his voice in your time with him but lately it seems quiet or dry The Lord wants to take you back to that place not just to remind you of where you were and what you did but to remind you as to what's possible and to call it into the now into the future into the present I want to pray over us this morning I just want to know who I'm praying for somewhere in this sermon this morning I don't, even, I don't even need to know what you heard. But you heard something that was far beyond the voice and the words that were coming out of my mouth. But you heard something in your spirit this morning. That you know the Lord is talking to you. Would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Wow. Thank you. I'm going to pray over us this morning as we conclude our day. Father, I thank you for, God, who you are.
Lord, we thank you for all the benefits of a life with you. And God, we thank you that you call us to remember, to remember those benefits and to remember who you are, to remember your work, but even God, to remember what you've done in our lives. God, today I I just want to pray over these, your people, God, that in the midst of what you're calling us to and to be, to build upon, to restore. God, I pray that you would reset, Lord, where we are. God, thank you for the reset button found in the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, call us to this place. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in a renewed sense of your presence or the way we used to. God, in a renewed confidence that you are in control. Lord, today I pray that as we go out of this place, God, that we would go in your power, your might, your favor. And God, that we would walk differently because of we are clear as to who you are and we are clear as to whose we are and now we are clear as to how we are for today we pray these things in Christ's name For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.